Welcome to the Life in 20 podcast, where you will learn something from everyone you meet in 20 action-packed minutes. Now, let's get lit with your hosts, Paul, Carson, and McCoy LeBlanc. All right. Jim Sandusky, thank you so much for joining the Life in 20 podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I really appreciate your time. So, hey, look, usually we just dive right in to questions here, but this is a very unique kind of get-together, I would say, and I want to kind of kick it over to Carson and have her walk it through, you know, the the story of how you guys met through her eyes and then maybe turn it over to you for the way you saw it. Go ahead, Carson. Well, me and my friends were driving home from Pullman for the weekend and we were going up the vantage hill as one does <laughs> know it well and, and all of a sudden car starts smoking you know we feel like we just hit something or something's going on so we pull over and as we're pulling over we see someone that's pulling over behind us and we're like oh thank god like someone's gonna help us because we don't know what's going on so we get out of the car and Jim comes with a fire extinguisher which was concerning. And he said, your car was like on fire underneath. And we were like, oh no. So he comes, he's there. He kind of helps us through the whole situation. Cause we're, we're, we're a bunch of teenagers that don't really know what's going on. So uh, he was that. there. Yeah. He was there to help us kind of figure out what to do next. Cause we were like, how are we getting home now? You know, all these questions that are happening, we're calling our parents. (laughs) And so, and Jim just stays there with us. And then he is going the same way as we are and says that he would be happy to drive us to wherever we need to go that's on his way. And so he dropped us off, all of us, and still call me. And we made it because of him. Otherwise, we'd probably still be in Vantage. So, (laughs) yeah. Wow. Well, before I kick it over to Jim, I just have to say, I remember Jim... When she called me, I'm like, okay, give me his license plate number. What's he look like? You're going to get in this car with this guy. Okay, what's his name? You know, doing the dad things, right? Because that time, you don't know, right? And you're putting all the trust. You're putting your whole life in, in your hands. Tell me the way you saw it. How did you, how, how did you spot trouble? <laughs> well, I was, wasn't far behind. I'd say I was probably 100 yards behind the car, and I just noticed the fire underneath it all of a sudden and so I sped up and by the time I got about maybe halfway there 50 yards car had pulled over off to the side and so I immediately stopped jumped back I had a fire extinguisher in the in, in the back of my rig and I grabbed it ran out <clears throat> pulled the kids to get out of the car I sprayed it underneath and it kept it kept dripping and starting on fire again so I had to keep kind of hitting it just to keep it out. And it was compiling some junk underneath from from the rubber hoses and other things that was on fire. And so that's what was still flaming underneath. So we pushed the car back and off to the side a little bit more just so traffic wouldn't bother us. Kids did really, really well. And, you know, it's it's real easy. It was really easy for me because all I had to imagine was my daughter, you know, would yeah. be in the same situation. And what would I want someone to do? So that's kind of what guided <clears throat> guided me. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a scary situation. You want to go home for the weekend, you know, kids do. And they're going, oh, you know, now now this comes up. So it's cutting into their time you know, that they want to spend at home and stuff. And so I thought, you know, I'll make this as seamless as possible and get a hold of 
you know, somebody's dad and just, I just had whoever call and, and make sure. And, you know, one thing that I wish I would have been able to go through with, with the kids that I do with my, you know, daughter and son is, you know, you, you get in a situation where you're, you got to pull over, especially if it's a dark road or something like that. Um, you want to make sure to do exactly what you had said, take a picture, send it to somebody yep. <laughs> and you let the person know, yeah, I just sent a picture of, you know, I don't care how brutal it sounds or whatever, but I, I just took a picture. I hope you don't mind uh, and, and just send it to my dad or whatever. That way, if it was somebody that was a little bit sketchy, uh, they would at least know that, that they wouldn't be able to do anything. But anyway, getting back to the story is, you know, called 911, had the fire uh, department come, and uh, they come probably within 25, 30 minutes. And, uh, you know, the fire was out by then. So now we were just looking for a way to get get them into a safe spot. And, you know, we talked about a couple different places, and, Anyway, we settled on Snoqualmie, and, you know, the kids kids took it pretty well. One of the gals was a little more upset than the others. I can't remember her name. It was a car, but I think it was her car and, yeah. you know, probably oh, just really concerned. That would be Eliana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was a yeah. little scared. Yeah, yeah, but things were pretty smooth, you know, mm-hmm. all the way to Snoqualmie. And I was just glad I was there to be able to help because, like I said, my daughter was in the situation. I'd want somebody to help them. And so that, that made it easy for me. Mm-hmm. Well, um, super grateful. It was you, Jimmy, uh, pulling mm-hmm. up behind him. Couldn't ask for, for more. And what, what was, what was funny is, is you talk about all the things you'd want your daughter to take pictures, send it to dad, all that. Well, Carson did text me from the back seat. And I've got the side profile of your head. I don't know if it would have been good at identifying anybody, but it was a start, which was really comical. And I'm glad, glad she said it. But it gave me an idea of what the inside of the cab was looking like on, on the way to the top of the pass. Yeah. And fortunately, I had my bigger rig with me. I had my Escalade, my Cadillac Escalade. So we had a little bit of room. I had some stuff packed, but we kind of cram-packed everybody in there. And <laughs> yeah. We were- laps and stuff and kids were and uh, how many people yeah, we were made, in there I, I, I were i can't remember carson how many there were six oh yeah six of us total yeah we had four in the back and then two in the front you know oh, wow wow i remember that i remember telling you and i was like no i think this guy's a good guy he has a seahawks hat on <laughs> yeah oh yeah i gotta tell you this is funny because this is my daughter right big big seahawks fan big coog obviously and you're wearing sports memorabilia, particularly a Seahawk hat. So you must be a good guy and, and not a creeper because you, you wear a Seahawk hat. So, right. Oh, man. Right. It was so good. Well, I appreciate the story from both of you. And I'm just glad we're, we're all here. And now that we're here, Jim's been nice enough to, to carve out a little time for us to kind of dig in, dig in deeper because turns out he's got quite, quite the story. Because as, as he's driving to the top of the pass, Carson's texting me and going, Hey, this guy played professional ball and that's just a, that's just a piece of it. But, mm-hmm. but Jimmy, we'd really love for you to just, when we have our guests on the show's really about, you know, just life lessons, things in school that aren't taught to the kids today, how we can prep Gen Z and these younger generation, you know, m- messaging that you've passed along to your kids, things that, that, that we want these kids to know to help them get ahead. And so I always start off by just having people walk us through their journey and, and, you know, their life experiences. And, and then we'll, we'll fire off some questions after you walk us through how you got to where you're at today. 
Sure. And I'll, I'll try to be, be quick and go ahead and interrupt me if I'm lagging a little bit, but, but yeah, I, I was always athletic, you know, football kind of became my deal. I was actually a better baseball player than a football player, but uh, I had my scholarship chances in uh, football. So that's the direction I went and uh, played at three different colleges, Walla Walla community, UNLV and San Diego state. And uh, I knew I wanted to be involved in some type of athletics. I wanted to play pro football ever since I was about seven. Um, didn't really know what that meant. Didn't even know that could be a job, but I just wanted to play. Yeah. And <clears throat> I, I'm on a smaller stature. I'm five nine, hundred and seventy, and so I had to work a little bit harder and do a little bit things a little bit different, you know, and spend time working on my craft, which I became a receiver. And so I always made sure nobody outworked me. And you know, that's the thing about America is you work hard, you're going to get ahead. I wanted to get into something that I really enjoyed. I didn't want to have a job where it wasn't, you know, where it was just skilled labor or just sitting behind a desk or whatever. But I wanted to do something that I wanted to do that was that was really inviting to me. And I knew it would be somewhere in the athletic field, what it was whether it was coaching or playing or or equipment or or something like that. And so that's kind of where I I kind of ventured off into during and after my my football career i spent 15 seasons up in canadian football league and i was with seattle for two years mostly on the injured reserve but you know it was quite a deal to be able to play football for money you know it it was hard to believe that somebody would pay it to do that but they did and i was able to make a decent living at it and then i transitioned into coaching was a player coach up in the cfl for five years and then Ended up full-time coaching for, for, for a high school, Lummi Nation, which is up in Bellingham, for, for 20 years. and was athletic director. So, again, in the realm of athletics, through that journey, I invented the, the synthetic football gloves that you see today. Got them into the NFL in uh, 1999, and that's when you started seeing all the one-handed catches. It started out with Sandman gloves, and then Nike got involved. And that's a that's a unique story in itself, and that would take another twenty minutes to actually tell. But it's it's an awesome story. So what I did is I I got the, the patent on the on the gloves, and ended up doing a deal with Nike, and that helped me kind of you know buy a house and do some other things. I built a football field in my property, and Jake Walker, who is not a coog, but he's a husky, so don't get too offended. He he is my my son's best friend. And so I coached them through youth football. And then I started the high school coaching and athletic director, you know, out at Lummi. And I was there for 20 years and just recently trans transferred into the Pacific clinic at, in tri cities, which is a, is a, is a, is a club athletic club, but it's so much more. And I became the pickleball director. My best friend owns it, Steve White. And so it's, it's been a lot of fun this last two years of transitioning into something. And again, it's athletic and something I love. So that's, is, that's probably the, the biggest thing that I would, <clears throat> I would say uh, any advice or anything to, to kids turning 20 and in college is find something that you're passionate about and try to find something in that field that, that you can make money at because you know, especially when you're young, you, you can make some mistakes. Uh, I, I, I had a few mistakes as far as um, investing in a, a few different things, you know, some athletic equipment, and it, it, it didn't turn out right. 
but I was still young enough to uh, make things happen. And uh, like I said, got into the glove thing, even invented a thing for golf on the, on the sticks to be able to lift the ball out. And I did that right before COVID and it ended up working out really good. But so basically I've just been in the athletic field for my whole life and that's kind of where I want to stay. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate that. That's a great recap. And you're such a, I know now how humble of a guy you are because I have to mention, you know, that we did do a little research and, you know, Jim's got a, a Wikipedia page and unless Wikipedia is lying, what I, what I heard is a two-time champ, right? BC and, and Edmonton. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. And 69 touchdowns at all myself, my teammates didn't even help. I know exactly. Yeah. It's a very, it's a very individual sport, 69 touchdowns. Somebody obviously had to throw those to you. I get it. But then the, the one little interesting trivia that I, I thought I had to ask was a 52 yard touchdown pass in the hula bowl from a first ballot hall of famer, Steve Young. Is that true? I, I, I actually, Hula Bowl is a college all-star game. Yeah. Um, played in 84, and Steve Young was on my team, and we, I, th- I think I had nine catches in the first half. Um, so, and the bigger reason for that is, is because our head coach for the that bowl was, was Lavelle Edwards, who was the head coach at BYU, which was Steve Young's quarterback. So ah. when he put in the off, I knew all the terminology and everything, so Steve felt real comfortable throwing to me. Wow. Well, that's the great. Bigger, the, the bigger thing, I think, or what I think is a little bit cooler, is I was an All-American at, at three different colleges. And that's, that's amazing. That's, you know, not many people go to three different colleges, you know, but uh, I was able to do that. And it was a lot of fun, a lot of notoriety. You know, again, playing Division One at UNLV in San Diego State. I led the nation in both schools and receiving. But when I transferred from UNLV to San Diego State, I had to sit out a year, which was unbelievably hard, but I did it. Oh, wow. And anyway, that's, that, that's a little bit of my story. It's a little different now today with the portal, right? Back then, yeah. you had to sit it out. Yeah, I remember. Uh, well, exactly. thanks for sharing. I know we're already down to five minutes. I want these kids to be able to fire off some questions to you. Go ahead, McCoy. I'll let you start. Okay. So my first question is, what makes you most happy or what makes you feel most alive? You know, right now in my life and what I'm doing at the Pacific Clinic, not just the, not the, just the pickleball director, but we're doing some other things there that are, that are helping the elderly. And, you know, obviously helping somebody, there's some gratification there that, that is very healthy in a way. When you, when you help somebody, the gratification that you get from that is, is immense. And, and so when you do that, you know, and lift somebody else up each day, whether you're in the checking line at, at, at a department store or a grocery store and tell the clerk, oh, hey, you know, that's a great looking shirt on you or something like that. You know, all they're doing all day is just processing food or things, items across and ringing it up, boom, boom, boom. And then, you know, somebody says something to them and it kind of brightens their day, makes them feel good. So that's probably one of the biggest things that, that I've learned from some of my friends and especially Steve White, who's the owner of the club. we got some things going on that I think are really cool. That's a great message. Carson. Who do you look up to or who have you looked up to in your life? You know, my mom was kind of the leader of our family. She was kind of the head of the household, and she was tough and disciplined. And so obviously that set us on the right path. 
my dad was super hardworking. He, he was a lineman for the power company. And so he did a, he did a lot of stuff that was just um, amazing. You know, he'd be getting up at, at three in the morning and, and going out and working in sub-zero weather. And, and so when I was working out in football and stuff, all I would do is think about that is what he, what he did, you know, just to put food on the table for me. And so when, when I didn't feel like working out or, or whatever, I would just have to put that in my head. And it was like, what am I crying about? Get your butt up and go. So that was it. Mm-hmm. I like that. like that a lot. Where do you think you got your entrepreneur spirit? Because obviously when you were done with football, it sounds like you got into a couple of things. Where'd that come from? You know, my dad was kind of a, and my brothers too. I got two older brothers and two older sisters. Kind of a, in, an engineer type mind of, of looking at something and how you can make it better. So that, that was a big thing. I always like to enhance things, look at something and go, you know, this would be better if it was like this or this. Just always was always like that. And it kind of just transcended into what I, what I did, you know, after, after I got a little bit older. That's cool. Mm-hmm. McCoy. So uh, you kind of like talked about this like a little bit earlier, but just to like clear it up. What would you say is your biggest regret? You know, there, there's part of me, I was drafted by the New York Jets and I had actually went out there. The San Diego Chargers wanted, wanted my, wanted the rights to me. And so I went down and worked out with them and then, but the Jets, they couldn't work out a deal. And I had this, you know, I was already in Canada. I was in Edmonton at the time, but I played out my option. And part of me, I actually went out there and did, did a workout for him and it just didn't feel right. And I always wonder, you know, if I would have stayed, if, if I would have had a, a longer career in the NFL at that point. A little later on, I ended up, you know, signing a deal with Seattle, but I'm, I always wonder what that would have been like if I would have just went straight in at that point. Yeah. Carson. Um, what is the best advice you've ever received? I would say before, before my dad was, my dad was very ill. <clears throat> And my sister, Nancy, said, you know, you need to go talk to him and say whatever you need to say to him because, you know, he could it, he could go at any time. I did that. And so I'm glad I did that because, you know, I, I, I wanted to tell him I loved him and, and he did a great job of uh, raising me. And, you know, things that they don't like to talk about for the most part, you know, they kind of keep kind of sheltered. And I was kind of like that. And so I was glad I got that opportunity and I wouldn't have done it if uh, my sister wouldn't have, you know, showed me the way. Yeah. That's awesome. Is there a certain characteristic, Jimmy, that you, you learned from your mom and dad that, that you've made it a goal to pass on to your kids, you know, certain traits, certain personality, certain thing that something that you learned from them that you you've tried to instill in your kids. You know, it's it's probably the biggest thing is let your yes be yes and your no be no. And, you know, keep your promises. You know, they sound, they sound like cliches or little bits, but those are things that really, really matter. And that's probably one of the biggest things that I, I, I could contribute to, to my family and, and, you know, just, do the right thing. 
you know, be hard to tell you what the right thing is. Mm-hmm. Love that. And on that note, I can't believe 20 minutes is already up, but can't thank you enough, Jimmy. This has been an absolute honor and, and blast. And again, so grateful and thank you from the bottom of my heart that you were behind my daughter that day. All's good and go kooks. Yeah, that's right. Kooks and Carson, keep up. Find something that you love and go after it. I will. I will. All right, thank guys. You. We'll see you, everybody. Thanks, Jimmy. Appreciate right. you. Okay. Bye. That was awesome. Appreciate you hanging in to the end. If you guys found this helpful or enjoyed this conversation, be sure to follow the show on whatever podcast application you use. New episodes release one to two times each week, and we love to have you as a regular listener. If you learned something new, found value in the show, or key takeaways that could benefit others, please share with your network. And if you could please leave a review, that would be greatly appreciated as it helps others find the Life in 20 podcast. Okay, with that, we'll catch you on the next episode.